Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Let's Go with Julio podcast. I'm a tech marketer turned leadership coach on a mission to educate, inspire, and empower you to unlock your best, most authentic self as a leader. If you're ready to confront the hard things getting in the way of your success in a way that's real and honest and loving, then you're in the right place because you can and you will. Let's go. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. It's good to have you here. You may have noticed we took a little bit of time off and we skipped a week because I was prepping for a, a very important work opportunity. I was speaking at a conference called Out and Equal, which is the largest LGBTQ plus gathering and conference for workplace leaders in the world. Out and Equal uh, was founded in 1996 by a woman named Celise Berry, and it has been at the forefront of promoting LGBTQ plus workplace equality for over two decades. The organization does a lot of different things, but one of their most iconic activities as an organization is the annual summit. It's a place where leaders from across the Fortune 500 come together under one roof to network and to learn and to grow and to share best practices and to collaborate so that we can create ultimately a more inclusive and equal workplace. That is the intention of Out and Equal, which is they call it so cleverly, the business of belonging. By investing in belonging in the workplace, it actually is good business. At this conference, I kicked off what's called the pre-conference. So the conference starts on Tuesday, but on Monday, they fly in some leaders who, by application, get through to do a day-long workshop of training. And I kicked off one of the cohorts, which was called the Diverse Leaders Fellowship Cohort, sponsored by Bank of America. And there were about 80 to 100 people. And the intention is to cultivate the pipeline for the Fortune 500, because there's lots of queer people in these big companies, but a lot of them are white and male. Uh, And so we're trying to make room for other people. And we brought them all together, and I got on stage to kick off the conference by telling my story from armor to authenticity. And I wanted to use my story in such a way that it might give others permission to be real and authentic and really show up and do the work during this conference. And I've been going to this conference since 2012. This was my first conference ever. I was working at Google at the time. I was running the uh, the gay group. It was so aptly named the Gaglers. And we were winning an award, and it was such a powerful experience. I think perhaps you never forget your first summit. Just the amount of sheer energy and joy and love that comes from those rooms and those spaces. It is literally the most diverse, one of the most diverse spaces I've ever been in. So this episode is about the business of belonging. And the business of belonging is about how we as brave, heart-centered leaders can create more inclusive and equitable and safe and brave and loving and supportive workplaces where Everyone can feel included and worthy and fully in their power at work. And I think you will, as a leader will walk away with some inspiration and some insight and maybe some tools or a point of view around what it means to cultivate more belonging uh, at your work within your team 
for those of you who are listening who are allies, this is certainly specific to a conference targeting LGBTQ plus people and their allies, but it's there's an intersectionality component to this. It's not just that. The lessons here are relevant for all of us, whichever community you're a part of. And two, I believe that the way we create more kindness and understanding in the world is through the sharing of story, through helping you as a straight person understand what life is like as a queer person, because there's not the same and there are stark differences. And my hope is that by listening to this, you can cultivate more compassion and empathy for us and our circumstance. If nothing else, to listen and to understand, and maybe you even move that into action in your workplaces amongst your friends, and you become an advocate for more love and more equality, which is ultimately what we're all asking for. Some respect, some love, some kindness, inclusion. That's all it is at its core. If you are a leader, then it behooves you to have the capacity to understand different groups from which your team comes from. For us who are queer or other than, it doesn't always feel safe. The visual that comes to mind is like a little LIDAR, a little thing on top of my head that just spins 365 constantly all the time, searching and scanning for danger, trying to figure out Am I safe here? Can I hold my husband's hand here? Can I give him a kiss? Can, can we sit next to each other? Like, what's the energy like? Can I be my full self in this room? And anybody who's listening who is black or brown or disabled or queer or has some kind of difference, quote-unquote difference, than cis, white, straight, then you know what I'm talking about. You know the experience of having to scan the energy of, of a room and determine whether or not you feel safe to be yourself. Otherwise, we cover, we mask, we protect, we put armor on, we armor up. My talk was called From Armor to Authenticity because I want to, I, my intention was to share the journey for these LGBTQ plus leaders, to share the journey of what happens when you put armor on to self-protect as you grow up. And that same armor gets you to a place, sure, but then to enter the next phase of your life, the armor becomes heavy and it becomes exhausting and it keeps you from being fully seen and known. And the work to do, the developmental milestone of our time right now is to recognize that we are all wearing armor that isn't serving us and we have to learn how to take it off. And that's a journey. That's a journey that takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of compassion. And it takes connection with yourself. It takes really being able to know yourself, to know your values, and to understand who you are and why you're here. And I think one of the mistakes we all make is we're running around trying to be in connection with other people, but I don't think you can be connected to other people truly if you don't know who you really are. The work to be done starts with you. It starts in the inside and works its way outwards. My first takeaway from this conference is this idea that we are never alone. We really are never alone. 
50% of adults report feeling lonely. The Surgeon General just released a major report detailing the loneliness epidemic that we are in. We know that leadership at the top is lonely. Brian Chesky, the CEO of Airbnb, just did an interview about this, about how lonely really it is at the top. In fact, that's part of the reason why I became a coach, because the higher I climbed, the more I realized that people in these seats are lonely and they're disconnected from themselves and therefore from others. And my job as a coach is to help create that connection, ignite it, catalyze it, cultivate it. So in a world where the data is telling us that people are feeling really alone, and we're starting to see that in the way people behave, and the fact that we have confused hyper-connectivity, the fact that we can be accessed 24-7 with meaningful, real connection, those two have been confused. And modern loneliness is being masked by hyperconnectivity. And so we think that we're connected, but we're really not connected. And going into a space like this conference reminds us that there is life beyond social media. There is life beyond our devices, that we are more similar than we are different that we are a part of a community of something greater than ourselves. And this is relevant for you as leaders because a lot of my clients struggle with asking for help, particularly if you're of a marginalized group. If you're a woman, if you're black and brown, you're queer, you don't want to ask for help because what does it mean to ask for help? What does it signal? It signals perhaps maybe you don't know that you are not worthy, that you are not good enough. And so I struggle with this all the time, asking for help. And so you go into a space like this and you are reminded of the importance of asking for help. We cannot do this alone. We are not meant to do this alone. In the words of Maya Angelou, we may come as one, but we stand as 10,000, that we are bringing the 10,000 with us. We are bringing the legacy of all of those who have come before us to help create a more equal and just world, we are, we are standing on the shoulders of those people. You may be the only woman in the room. You may be the only black person or Latino in the room. You may be the only queer person in the room. But when you walk into that room, that's when you call on the ancestors. That's when you call on the 10,000, the people who have come before you and you channel the energy of that as you step forward and be brave and lead with your heart. It's easy to feel like you can do it all. It's easy to feel like you've got it all covered, but the truth is, is that is exhausting and it's unsustainable. And that's actually what leads to burnout, carrying the weight of feeling like you need to do it, everything all the time by yourself leads to burnout. You cannot have a conversation about the HIV AIDS epidemic in this country without talking about Peter Staley. And he was at the conference and I got to meet him. And it was beautiful because I was reminded that I am not alone, that none of us are alone, that while we may be fighting for more inclusion and belonging in the world right now, this isn't the first time this has happened 
and we know how to get through this. And this is what makes Out and Equal so special because what this conference does is it shakes the memory banks. It reminds us of what we've been through so that we know what we can still get through. The legacy of our community is such that we've been rioting and revolting and advocating and pushing from the very beginning. And that work continues today. And when I listen to people like Peter Staley talk about what it was like to lead courageously during the HIV AIDS epidemic, I'm reminded of something uh, Vito Russo once said, he's an HIV AIDS activist. He said, living with AIDS is like living through a war which is happening only for those people who happen to be in the trenches. Every time a shell explodes, you look around and you discover that you've lost more of your friends, but no one else notices. It isn't happening to them. They're walking the streets as though we weren't living through some sort of nightmare. And only you can hear the screams of the people who are dying and their cries for help. No one else seems to be noticing. That's what he said. And so I think about that time and what we can learn and gather and the energy that we can sequester from that difficult time and use that to step out of our history and step into a future that is brighter than we could have ever imagined. There's more work to do, and we are not alone in doing that work together. And I also want to add that we are not only alone because we have every color of the rainbow, but we also have allies. And allies are a critical component to creating more understanding in our world because our allies are often in positions of power, and it's important that we make sure they feel included and part of this journey because everybody wins when we fight for more equality and more inclusion and more belonging. Everybody wins. We raise the tide before any one ship. Okay, second thing. We are stronger together. We are weaker alone. You know, our society is individualistic. But part of the problem we have right now is everybody is so focused on themselves that we forget to recognize that we are all connected and we are part of something bigger than ourselves. Yes, it is important to be in connection with yourself and to know yourself. And part of knowing yourself is recognizing that you are one piece of a bigger puzzle, that the world does not revolve around you, but you are one piece of a larger puzzle that we call life, humanity humankind. However individualistic our society may be, make no mistake about it, we are hardwired for collective connection, collective effervescence, which is why an attack on one color of the rainbow is an attack on all of us. And I am reminded from my time at this conference that if you have privilege, then by definition, you have power. 
And your real responsibility in life is to use that power while you are here on earth and to use it in service of others. That means you show up for our trans family. That means you show up for gender nonconforming. That means you show up for people who may not be and do the things that you do. And wherever you find tension in this, can you get curious and go inwards and figure out what is it saying about you? What is it reflecting within you that is causing this reaction? And I can tell you, if you turn that towards yourself and explore it, you'll learn something about yourself because we are not meant to fit particular molds. We are all uniquely magical, beautiful human beings, not human doings, human beings. I used to struggle with this. I used to struggle with trans people. I used to struggle with gender nonconforming. I, I didn't understand it and it didn't fit my, what I was taught. It didn't fit my paradigm. And so I was gay, but not like them. They're different than me. You know, I remember leading the Gaglers at Google, and there were always a couple of trans men who would, frankly, irritate me because they always wanted this or they wanted that. They want a concession for this. They wanted to do something not at a bar, and they always wanted... And I, I would just get irritated and frustrated with them, and I didn't know what to do with them. And so I, I, I tagged them mentally with all of these preconceived notions. And then I continued along my inner work journey, and I realized that that sentiment towards them was a reflection of work to be done within me. I was discharging my own pain onto them, and I didn't even realize it that it said more about me as a leader than it said about them. And what I now recognize is they wanted to be heard and they wanted to be seen and they wanted to be validated and they wanted to know that they matter. And I wasn't offering that to them. Mostly because I was so in my head and I wasn't seeing myself. I wasn't making myself matter. I was, I was busy you know, busy as a status symbol. I was focused on being busy, but it was so that I would distract from my true authentic self. And what I now recognize when I see a trans person is that they have the audacity to be authentic. That is the truest expression of freedom as far as I'm concerned. And when I see them, I see a part of me that wants to feel more free, that wants to be more audacious, that wants to be more authentic. We look at Laverne Cox on stage. We look at Leah Delaria on stage and Brandon Wolf and Alok. And I sit in that chair and I look at them and I, I think, wow, what would it look like for me to be the full expression of myself? And I see my own inner conflict between what I really want to do and what society or what I've been taught or what I've been conditioned to by coming together, we are stronger together. I am stronger together as a function of taking the time to listen to gender nonconforming people, to listen to the trans community, and to believe them when I hear them. Not to challenge them, not to fight them, but to believe them and trust them.
So why do we feel the need to have to resist and push? And when we feel the need to have to resist and push, can you get curious and go inwards and find out what that really is triggering within you? That's the work. So we are never alone and we are stronger together. Hear the words of Harvey Milk in his Hope Speech, 1978. He says, Gay people, we will not win our rights by staying quiet in our closets. We are coming out. He says, we are coming out to fight the lies and the myths and the distortions. We are coming out to tell the truth. I'm tired of the silence, so I'm going to talk about it. And I want you to talk about it. So I'm talking about it. We're talking about it. The more we talk about it, the more understanding we create in society, in the world. And when I hear my trans family talk about the struggle and the ridicule, I can't help but recognize my privilege as a Latin gay man who presents as a white man. So I get by, I pass. How do I use my privilege in such a way that it might help create more belonging in the world. And I do that through this podcast. I do that through coaching leaders. I do that through motivational speaking with teams. If you have power, then you have privilege. Where can you be of service to others? Where can you use your power and your privilege to advance more inclusion and more belonging in the workplace? And just give it a try. Give it a try and see what happens. The third lesson is that we are bold and beautiful. Yes, the queer community, but all of us as humans are bold and beautiful. And the truth is, is people don't think less of you for sharing your story. They think more of you for having the courage to share, to be able to turn towards your story, the whole story and own it, own that bold and beautiful story. That is the bravest thing you will ever do. Oh man, that that lesson took me a while to learn. Being able to stand in my power and talk about getting kicked out in high school, getting hired and fired by the best jobs in the world, having a thriving, successful career now, and being able to own my story and stand inside of it and use it to serve the world has been the most, the hardest thing to do and also the most rewarding thing to do. It has unlocked energy and resources and passion and a light unlike anything I could have imagined. Here I was all that time shrouded in shame and silence by not sharing the truth of what really happened to me in my life. And all that did was weigh me down with heavy armor that kept me from being fully seen and known and heard by others. I was there, but I wasn't really there. I was exhausted and armored up and fighting and fighting and fighting. There were a bunch of Latinos, Latinas in, you know, at the conference last week, and we talked a lot about this. This immigrant first generation energy is go, 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 hustle, hustle, don't stop, don't quit, make more money. Keep going, 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 going. I mean, it's 
any immigrant family can understand what this is like. It's the hustle. It's the grind. And what happens is, is that's not sustainable. And that's the reason why most of us are feeling burned out and people are not at full capacity at work and the energy is low. The vibration is low because we're just hanging on. We're just trying to stay with the treadmill, stay on the hamster wheel. We're just trying to make ends meet. That's why going to a place like Out and Equal where you can be bold and beautiful is so powerful because you can get off the hamster wheel, you can get off the treadmill, and you could just be. You can be seen and be bold and be you and the full expression of yourself and be seen and loved and acknowledged for it. How powerful is that? That is the way station. That is the fuel tank of all empowerment is to go back to yourself, the truth of yourself, and recognize how bold and beautiful you are. There's an old world that is dying and a new world that is taking place right now. We see this transition with AI. AI is ushering in a new type of society and the old one is dying. And I think our work here as heart-centered, brave leaders is to move in the direction of this new world. We've got to be true and connected to who we are in order to weather this storm and in order to gracefully make this transition from one world to a new world. That's going to be a huge unlock for people because, you know, people are ready for real, authentic leadership. We don't want any more of this produced stuff, this inauthentic stuff, this counterfeit connection. Being able to speak to you on this microphone through my heart is something no tech stack can ever reproduce. Being real and authentic is the way forward for all of us. And we're all on that journey to be more authentic. And it's painful and it's awkward and it's uncomfortable and it's brave. And it's critical. It's mission critical for us as leaders. I think we're exhausted with all the masks we have to wear and all the ways we have to hide all the armor we wear, it's exhausting and we are so over it, it's time for a change. And so that's what you feel right now in the workplace is this shift of it's exhausting. When, and you look at Gen Z and the way they think about work and they're trying to lead with emotion. They're trying to lead with heart. I think the biggest mistake is we think that we're cognitive beings, intellectual, and we can just have an emotion, but that's not true. I think we're emotional beings that think a lot. And look, this explains how-tos. I mean, seriously, how many how-to books are there out there and podcasts and blogs, et cetera, and ain't nobody changing, okay? How many people have you, do you have in your life that are always like, what book can I read? What book can I read? What podcast can I listen to? Let me fix, let me fix, let me fix. And that's because you're in the space of your intellect. You're in a cerebral space and you're not embodying the work. So it goes in through one ear and out the other. I can't tell you how many people I know who do this. They're so in their head. You got to feel it. You got to embody it. You got to be it. You have to be in alignment or the empowerment does not come. It will not come if you are out of sync. I say we are bold and beautiful because everybody has a responsibility to understand what your gift is and to use that gift in service of the world. And all of the armor that you carry, 
holds you down and prevents your gift from being fully expressed in service to the world, and that is the work to do. So how does this manifest? When you go back into your workplaces, when you go back into your life, where can you be a little big and bold? Where can you be bold, more bold, more beautiful? Where can you put yourself out there? The fourth lesson is that we are worthy and we are loving. I gotta tell you, I've coached hundreds of leaders now and everybody struggles with the same thing. Am I enough? Can I be enough? Will I ever be enough? And what I recognize now is that is part of the human condition to wonder, am I enough? But it is part of the human condition on steroids for black people, for brown people, for queer people, for disabled people. Will I ever be good enough? That's what we struggle with. I struggle with it every single day. It is a daily practice to remind myself that I am worthy. It's interesting because leadership used to be about muscle. Recently, it's been all about the head. But I think going forward, it's all about heart. I believe that our community is uniquely poised to model what it looks like to lead with your heart. Because empathy is a muscle and you have to use it. And I believe that we can access empathy and connection to spirit and the capacity for kindness in a way that other people cannot. And I think that's special. I think that's special and that's worth thinking about. So how does this manifest when you are worthy of like, you know, get out of your head and into your heart. Model at work what authentic, caring leadership feels like. Tap into your superpowers and model what authenticity looks like. And I'm convinced when I go to conferences like this, seeing all the diversity and all the difference, just how beautiful human beings are. I mean, akin to a butterfly or a beautiful English garden or the, what's under the sea. I mean, these beautiful, majestic creations of mother nature, of life, of divine intelligence, of whatever it is that you call it, the thing that got us here. When you think about how that sperm met that egg and had that baby, and then that baby develops characteristics and personality and color in such a way that it can fully express itself and then we cast judgment on that. Like, who are we to cast judgment on that? You know, I think about that when I go to conferences like this. I'm reminded that the best leaders are magical, are actually magical. Think about it. Think about someone that inspires you, a mentor, an idol, a hero, an athlete. There's a magic to them, isn't there? Whether it's their voice, the way they lead, the way they play ball, it's magical. And last week, this conference was in Disney, so that was fitting, you know. What has Disney showed us? It's that magic is about love, and it's about joy, and it's about kindness. It's about recognizing the awe and the wonder that even just being here right now at this moment in time is such a gift. What a miracle that is, let us remember. Related to being worthy is understanding that we as human beings 
have an orchestra of emotions within us. They live within us. Emotion is just energy in motion. It is movement of energy in and through your body and your inability to feel all of that blocks you and limits you in the long run because the energy has to go somewhere. So it metastasizes if you don't do something with it and then it comes out in explosions, in aggression, in blaming, in cynicism, in control, in perfectionism, etc. It comes out in different ways. So when I say we're worthy, being worthy as a human being means also recognizing the capacity for experiencing all kinds of emotions, good, bad, positive, negative, whatever, releasing the binary around that and recognizing the full range of all emotions that we experience as human beings. Joy and grief, for example, that came up. Can we still be joyful here as a community when we are grieving you know, the attacks at nightclubs like Pulse and the 600 anti-LGBTQ plus bills that are on the docket to try and strip rights away from the community. Can we be joyful in times of such grief? And the answer is yes. Yes, we can. We can hold joy and grief. We can hold love and pain. We can hold the fullness of emotion, all of it, because that is part of what it means to be human and to be alive. We're not supposed to be happy all the time. You see, happiness isn't a destination. It's a direction. Happiness is a direction in which you choose to go. Each day with intention, you make the choice to move in the direction of happier becoming happier with your life, with intention, with purpose. And being able to do that means recognizing the fullness of emotion, that you can experience all of it. See, a lesson that took me long to learn is I only wanted to feel the good emotion and I didn't want to feel any of the bad emotion. And so what would I do? I would have a few drinks. I would pop some Adderalls. I would work more. I would eat more. I would party more. So that I optimized the fullness of good feelings, great feelings. It was pleasure. I was trying to please and soothe myself. And all the while, I was just delaying the inevitable, which was at some point that shit was going to bubble up and I was going to have to pay for that. I was going to have to do something with that energy. But I no longer do that. I recognize that I, that was armor trying to protect me from feeling the full emotion, from feeling the uncertainty and the discomfort and the shame and the grief and the sadness and the sorrow of getting hired at some of the biggest companies and then getting fired from some of the biggest companies, failing in relationships left and right, getting kicked out by my dad in high school. You know, it's when you hide these things and when we don't talk about them and when we don't ask for help and when we don't share the stories, and we retain the energy of that. It has to go somewhere. It lives inside us. And it's not healthy. It, the goal is to move the energy through you, out and through you on a regular basis. It's doing the work. It is a process. 
in order to stay in the flow of worthiness, it is a daily practice of doing the work to stay in connection with yourself and know that just being here on this earth is a blessing, is a gift. And that's what meditation does. It slows you down so that you can sync yourself up with the source and that you can remain in connection with the fact that you just being here makes you worthy and that you are an expression of love. And I think what makes the LGBTQ plus community so special is we are a pure manifestation of the fullness of love, of being authentically, wholly, expressedly you. You know, and you see that and feel that when you go into a space like Out and Equal. So I'm grateful for Out and Equal, which brings me to the fifth takeaway, which is we are grateful. We are grateful for everyone in the community, all the partners, all the ERG leaders, all the volunteers who recognize the importance of cultivating spaces like this, where communities can come to learn and grow and let down their armor so that they can see themselves more boldly. I believe that gratitude is the key. The last episode we talked about this. Gratitude is the pathway to joy. In order for you to live a full and meaningful life, you have to be connected to the grace, the holy gratitude of your life, recognizing that you may not be where you want to be, but you're still here and you're still on the journey. We're all on the journey. So gratitude. We are grateful poets. And I, I th- say grateful poets because Alok, Alok is a really a figurehead and a leader of the modern LGBTQ plus movement. And Alok called us poets, that our life is a beautiful poem and that the sharing of stories is a poem. I wanted to throw that in here. That was a takeaway for me leaving the conference, this idea of how can I claim the name poet? I am a poet. When I talk on this microphone, when I write something on LinkedIn, I am trying to enchant you through language with words. That is poetry. And so that's a takeaway for me. And I'd encourage you who are listening to consider what would change in your life if you considered yourself a poet. How would you show up? What would you do differently if you were a poet or had more poetic tendencies in your life? Anyway, I think that that's interesting. So those are my takeaways from Out and Equal. One, we're never alone. Two, we are always stronger together. Three, we are bold and beautiful beings. Four, we are worthy of love and belonging. And five, we are grateful poets. I hope you found some insight and inspiration, maybe some uplift in this episode. I thank you for being here. Share this with your team, with a friend, with a family member who can benefit from this journey that we're on. And I'll see you soon. Let's go, baby.